as was mentioned earlier, we're in a uh, series right now uh, called Relationship Hacks. It's a short three-week series from the Bible on how to have uh, great relationships. It's very rudimentary. We're talking about things like intentionality, tonight listening, and then uh, next week uh, speaking. And then as was mentioned earlier uh, here and probably at our other venues and campuses, we're also going to be uh, following this up with a very quick two-week series on marriage. Now I got a comment on that because for any of you who've been around Scottsdale Bible for any length of time, you know that it's very rare that I talk about marriage. And the reason is, is because I'm no poster child for marriage. I'm not a therapist, I'm not a counselor, uh, I'm a theologian, I'm a pastor. And so what I'm gonna share with you during the marriage series, the two weeks we talk about marriage, are, are, are some helps from the Bible about God's design for marriage and what the Bible says about marriage. I'm sure I'll intersperse it with some stories from Kim and I and all that, but I'm no expert on it. I just know what the Bible happens to say and I'll be sharing a couple weeks on that. And the reason that's important for you to know is that we designed this series to be followed up by Tim Kimmel's conference on October 13th, which is a Saturday, and I hope all of you take advantage of that because he is the expert on this. Tim uh, runs a whole ministry called Family Matters. He's been doing this for 30, 40 years. He is an expert on marriage, and he does this conference internationally in Europe, Canada, United States, and he's going to do it here at his church, and so it's only four hours on a Saturday, won't take up the whole game. Or day, you'll still have time for college ball and the evening games and all that, but you'll be glad that you came uh, to his uh, marriage seminar, and so you'll be getting more information on that uh, in the next week or so. Now tonight, we're going to talk about listening. Uh, some of you think you've mastered this trait. I'm going to help you realize that we all have room to grow here when it comes to listening. Amen, Brian? Amen. So why don't we uh, bow right now? He was listening. And so uh, why don't we bow right now, and then we're going to dive right in. Father, thanks for this time of worship that we've had here and at other campuses and venues, a time where we can uh, look to you and, and, and soften our hearts and focus our minds upon you. And hopefully, Lord, by the power of your spirit, prepare us for your word. This is the way we do church, Father. We, we praise you, we worship you, and then we open up your book, your word, and hear from you. So as we do that now, we pray that uh, you would give us wisdom and insight, even revelation by your spirit, and we pray, God, that you would uh, even change us from the inside out when it comes to this all-important topic of listening. And I pray this in Jesus' name, and we say together, amen. amen. So let's have some participation. Let's ask a couple of questions. I just want you to raise your hand and see how many of you will be honest. Uh, How many of you have ever been accused of not listening? Raise your hand. Okay, just about every one of us. It it gets harder. You're going to like this next one. Uh, How many of you have ever truly not been listening to someone, but have been able to fake that you were? Raise your hand. Oh, we got an honest crowd. That's really good. Hopefully 
Hopefully the other places you're honest as well. I, I, I hate to say it, I, my hand went up too. I've done that way too often. I remember one of the first times as an adult I saw this. I was a very young pastor in a very small church and I was a new Christian. And uh, remember when they had those services on Sunday night in church where the church would gather together and you'd have a sharing and prayer service? How many of you remember those? And this was a small little Baptist church I was in and we were in one of these sharing and prayer services and the uh, pastor would say, does anybody want to share? And this uh, amazing lady gets up and shares just a really difficult thing in her life. Let's call her Cheryl. And, and, and she was sharing about some health problems and her wayward kids and some of the other issues she was going through. And then she sat down and I'll never forget the pastor uh, called on one of the young elders in the church. His name was Dave and said, Dave, would you please stand right now and pray for, for this need? Yeah, you see where this is going? And, and Dave got up, and I could tell, as even as a young Christian, within about three words, he didn't hear a word that she said. And he actually got away with it because he did what some of you do. He said, dear Lord, I want to pray for our sister and I want to pray that you would draw close to her in her time of need and minister to her. And we pray that you'd bless her as she continues to walk closely with you and, you know, meet her in her suffering and all the things that you guys say, you know, and, and then he said in Jesus name, amen. And he sat down and I thought he didn't hear a word she said. And I came up to him afterward and I was just talking with them and I, and I just said, hey, you know, that was a nice prayer that you said earlier. And he looked at me as if he got caught and he said, I didn't hear a word that she said. And I said, you faked it pretty good. I think all of us could tell a story like that where we are supposed to be listening. I mean, you think about it, it's really not a complicated activity, it's a relatively simple activity, but most of us know there's a lot more to it than meets the eye because we fail so regularly at it. The Bible is a very wise book, as most of you know. It's not just the revelation from God to us, which it is, which is why it carries so much weight, but it's also a very wise book, very practical. Now look at how James 119, this will be our theme verse here today, uh, says it. It says, this you know, my beloved brethren, let everyone be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. Let me repeat that. Let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. What a recipe for relationships right there. Think about it. Uh, don't say a lot, don't get mad too quickly, and overdose on listening. I like how one author says it. He says, and I quote, nobody ever listened themselves out of a job, right? I mean, you can't listen too much. You can hardly get in any trouble when you listen. And so the Bible is nailing it here, saying, be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to be angry, and you're going to do well in your relationships. But here's the problem with that verse here, and not that it's not wise, it's incredibly wise, and it's this, that that is easier said than done. Most every one of us have heard this verse in some form or another. Even if you haven't read the Bible, your grandmother said things like this to you. And so we all know that we should listen more than we should speak, that we're given two ears and one mouth for a purpose, that we need to slow down and listen more. But it's very difficult to do. Uh, let me ask you the 
third question about listening. I asked you earlier, uh, how many of you have ever been accused of not listening? And then how many of you have ever uh, truly not been listening, but able to fake it? Uh, Let me ask you this one. Have you ever been in a scenario where you are sharing with somebody something of your heart and mind, trying to get across to them something that's very personal and real to you, only to walk away from that scenario and not feel heard at all. Raise your hand if that's ever happened to you. Just about every one of us. And here's the confounded nature of that. You ready for this? We have done that to others as well. We don't even know that we do it. But there's times where somebody will walk away, even from a conversation with me, and I know that they've walked away going, I'm not sure he really heard what I was trying to say to him. Here's the deal. Much of my personal pastoral counseling in the church is about helping people navigate the waters of relational conflict and strife. And I'm telling you, much of it would be solved if one or more parties would just learn to listen to what the other person or persons are saying. And listening is that important, but it's also a lot harder than most of us realize to truly do it well. So the question obviously becomes, and we're gonna spend the rest of our time on this question, how do we then listen well? I mean, how do you and I become the kind of people who truly master this powerful trait of listening that the Bible lays out for us. I want to share in our time remaining today four broad brushstroke things that I want to paint on the palette of your minds today, four things that will give you a picture of the kind of listening that God wants us as his people to be about And the first way for us to listen, and it starts easier and gets harder as we go along, the first way is to listen to understand. Listen to another person in order to understand what they are saying. In other words, don't miss this, gang. The very first step in learning to listen to another person is to listen in such a way in which you are dialed in to what they are actually saying and only to what they are actually saying, not to your interpretation, not to what you want to say next, but to dial in first and foremost to the facts and the story of what they're saying and to get that before you do anything else. I call it listening to understand and the heart of it is to think story. To realize that every conversation you have with someone, you're ready for this, is them sharing with you some kind of story from their life. It might be the story of what they did that day. It might be a story of what happened at work or school. It might be a story from the grocery store or from their vacation or from their quiet time with God or in their conversation with one of their kids. I mean, every day, think about it. People have so many stories to tell to people around them. And the first key to learning to be a good listener is to dial in to actually what is being said by another person so as to focus on the story in all of its detail and even factuality. And though it's really not rocket science to listen in such a way as to truly understand, the problem is is that so many of us, even so many Christians, just aren't focused enough 
in our ADD soundbite culture today to just dial in on somebody right in front of us, listen intently to their story to the point where we could actually repeat it back to them. If you don't believe that this is actually core to what the Bible says about listening, I want you to look at what Proverbs 5 verse 7 says. I mean, this is one of those passages where we do a drive-by in our quiet times with this because it almost seems like a prelude or introductory statement, but there's some richness in here on how to listen. Look at what it says, Proverbs 5 verse 7. Now then, my sons, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. And then the author goes on to give some Proverbs. Pause in front of this verse for a second. There's two components to it when you break it down. The, the, the writer is saying, listen to me, but how do you do that? Notice the link here, by focusing on and not departing from the words of his mouth. In other words, there's a clear link between listening and the words that come out of someone's mouth. Simply put, the writer of Proverbs here is telling us to get the facts right, to listen to the actual words that come out of another person's mouth and understand what they mean as the very first step in learning to listen to another person. Get the story right. Listen to understand. That's the very first step in what it means to listen. Now, I'm going to give you a very practical help right here for you to be able to tell if you've actually listened in order to understand what somebody is saying. And, and this, for those of you who are counselors, you've heard all this before, but this is something many people haven't heard and they don't do this very well. And, and yet it's a trick that works really well. And that is that after somebody has shared something with you, a way that you can understand what they're saying, and to confirm that you've understood it, is to reflect back to them with these opening statements. To, to either use this statement, let me see if I've got that right, or if you don't like that one, respond by saying, so what you're saying is. I'm telling you, if you start to use these two statements in your daily interactions, you will master this first trait, Proverbs 5, 7, of, of understanding what's coming out of somebody's mouth. Let me see if I've got that right. Or, so what you're saying is. And then repeat back to them what you thought you heard from them and then let them tell you whether you're right or not. Neil, uh, come up here on the stage right now. I, uh, I prepped Neil a little bit for this, but I actually don't know how he's going to... I was glad I was listening. To yeah, you. respond to this because... <laughs> Because this is Neil, and so um, we'll try this and, and see if it works. You know, um, uh, Neil, uh, so Neil and I are going to have a conversation right now. Neil, you love professional football, don't you? I do. I do too. And I got to tell you, last Sunday night, the Packers were playing the Bears, and it was one of the most incredible games that I have ever seen, wasn't it? You know, I, I, I didn't quite see it that way. Actually, I'm a Bears fan. I've oh. been a Bears fan my whole life. My wife told me when they were up 20 to nothing, shut it off, your team has won. I have never been so ticked to see Aaron Rodgers come out of the tunnel. Wow. So what you're saying is, is that it wasn't a positive experience for <laughs> Not you. Not at all. And the reason is, is because you love the Bears. Who doesn't? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and even though Aaron Rodgers is a great player, it was not fun for you to see him route the Bears. You know, I just recovered and I was doing well until you brought it up again. So. Thank you, Neil. 
That, that was a very simple example, but how many times have you gotten caught in a conversation where you've said something and you realize the other person doesn't quite see it that way? And then you probe a little bit deeper and they start to share their perspective of the event with you. And here's where Christians really mess it up, gang, is that we aren't listening to what comes out of the mouths, the words from the other person. We're so focused on our initial take Again, go back to this, where I said to Neil, hey, isn't it, wasn't it an awesome game between the Packers and the Bears? And Neil is saying, no, it wasn't all that awesome. I have a choice at that moment to listen to understand or to just keep pushing my point. And listening to understand at that moment is easy to discern whether you're doing it. So let me see if I've got that right, Neil. So what you're saying is, and I can't tell you how many times I've realized that I really haven't heard the other person if I dare to use those phrases to see if Proverbs 5, 7 is coming true or not. Listening to understand. It's the very first step on how to listen. Now, obviously there's more. I told you that it gets more difficult as we go along today. And so here is the second way that we can listen to those around us. And if the first one was kind of a 101 level, this is definitely more of a 201 level. But the Bible, as you're going to see, clearly underlines this. And that is to listen in order to identify. Listen to identify. And you're thinking, well, identify what? Here it is. What the other person is feeling as they share their words with you. In other words, gang, listening doesn't just involve getting the facts right. Some of you aren't going to like this, but it's thoroughly biblical. Listening also involves getting the feelings right if somebody is really going to be heard from us. Look at the Bible verse that just nails this for you and I. It's a verse talking about community within the Christian church, Romans 12, verse 15, and it says this, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Now again, this is one of those verses that a lot of Christians read, they quote it all the time, and, and they kind of just skim the surface of it. But, but let's understand some of the richness going on here in this verse. And, and to help us with this, let me ask you guys this question. Is rejoicing in intellectual activity, is it something we think, or is it more a feeling activity, something that we feel? Which is it, thinking or feeling? It's feeling. Some of you were very slow to answer that right now. You're thinking, well, you wrote a book, you know, How Joyful People Think. I did. And in that book, if you read it, I, I, I very clearly say that joy and rejoicing is a, a feeling, it's an experience we have that flows from our thinking. But don't ever that, that mislead you. Rejoicing is itself a feeling. Now, hang on to that. And, and this one, I hope you won't get wrong, is weeping... An intellectual activity or is it an emotional feeling activity? Which is it? Feeling. So we have two feeling words here, rejoicing and weeping. And so could it be that the Bible is telling us here, and it is, to enter in with each other on an emotional level and feel with them as we are in community with each other and share our stories with each other. And it is. That's what the Bible's saying here. And what you need to know is that this is a key part of the listening process. Experts on listening call this empathy. 
simply the ability to emotionally identify with another person as a way of listening to them. And get this, this is going to blow your mind. It is such a powerful way of listening and connecting that many times you can actually mess up the facts of another person's story, and if you just identify with the emotion and let them know that you hear them on this level, they're going to feel incredibly heard by you. I mean, there have been times where I've had trouble understanding the logic and flow, the facts of what somebody is sharing with me, and I'm sure he does in a minute, but when I have emotionally identified with them, they walk away feeling greatly heard by me. Why? Because I'm listening in such a way to identify. I can remember years ago when I uh, learned how how powerful empathy was. I was in seminary, and though seminary is basically theological training, I had to take some courses on counseling because obviously as a pastor, you're going to do that as well. And I can remember when they first introduced this topic of listening to identify, of empathetic listening in it, they simply said what you do is when you hear somebody share something with you, you just take a feeling word and kind of reflect that feeling word back to them and the teacher said, you'd be amazed at how powerful that is. This is a true story. That afternoon, after just sitting in that seminary class, I was a young, single seminary guy and hadn't even married Kim yet. And, and I had to get a haircut that day in suburban Chicago. And I remember going into the, to the haircut place, the barber, and it was this, this wonderful gal. And, and, you know, she wasn't a believer. And, and I had been sharing the Lord with her and all of that. And she kind of liked this young seminary guy coming in. And so I wanted to get my haircut. And this is a true story. I thought, well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to see if this empathy stuff works. And so I asked her, I said, hey, she started to cut my hair. I said, hey, how's your, uh, how, how's your life going right now? And I knew what she was going to say because her life was a mess. And she said, well, it's not going very well. And she talked about her most recent boyfriend and how, you know, she had broken up with him and they were living together and, and, and she had a couple kids and, and now he's gone and life is really hard and she's a single mom and, and, and she started talking about a few other things. And, and all I did was sit there in the chair and I said, wow, that must be painful for you. And I'll never forget, she stopped cutting my hair and she actually came around to the front of the chair and looked at me and said, you have no idea how painful that is. It's incredibly painful. And I thought, wow, it kind of works. <laughs> and then she went back to cut my hair. And this is a true story because she you know, started cutting my hair more and, and, and then she started to talk more and more about how painful it is. And I thought, well, let's try another emotional word. And I, I didn't know a lot of emotions back then. I'll talk about that in a minute here. But I, I said, wow, it must make you kind of angry. Oh, yeah. And she said, you have no idea how angry this is. And she's like pulling my hair as, as she's talking. And I mean, I unleashed the beast and she's trying to talk about, you know, he's this and he's that and my kids. And she's just getting all angry. And I thought, hmm, it works. <laughs> Emotionally identifying with someone, even when you might not necessarily mean it or feel it with them. Now, here's where we got to be careful. I learned in my counseling classes in seminary how to do this really well, this empathy stuff. 
And yet I can remember when Kim and I finally got married and had a few babies and we were in the young, you see where I'm going with this? And we were in this young pastorate, you know, and as things were stressful and, and all day long I'm working with church people and man, I just mastered this empathy thing. Like I can draw to you anything going on in you and I'm Mr. Counselor and all this. And, and, and I remember one day I came home and, and I walked in the door all kind of puffed up with pride and you know, I'm the pastor and I said to my wife, hey, how's it going? And she said, oh, it's been a terrible day, terrible day with the kids. Kids, you know, and, 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 you know, Hannah this and Abby this and, 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 you know, I have no life and I have no time. And, and, and I looked at her and I said, hmm, that must be painful. <laughs> and I kid you not, she looked at me and she said, stop it. She said, I know what you're doing and I'm not a church person. I'm your wife and don't you pull that counseling. And then she used a bad word, pull that counseling stuff on me. And I was taken taken aback, and I said, well, I'm just trying to empathize with you. And you know what I learned that day? I learned that empathy has to be natural if we're going to use it with loved ones. It has to be organic. Here's what I learned. You have to really mean it. Amen. So it might work with the barber in the chair, but it's not going to work with your spouse. It's not going to work with the people in your small group. They're going to they're see you as fake as a $3 bill if you go out and just try to say that. But here is the good news. You can learn to empathize in a natural way. How? Go back to Romans here. <laughs> when somebody's rejoicing, try to join the rejoicing with them. You're rejoicing with what they're rejoicing about. You're not rejoicing because you got a new car. You're not rejoicing because your football team won. You're not rejoicing because, you know, uh, things are going well at work. Those are all good things, and you can rejoice over that. No, if you're really listening, watch this. You're rejoicing with them because they're rejoicing. And you begin to feel their joy with them. Whoa. Or how about this one? Have any of you had the experience where you've actually wept with somebody because you felt their pain? I have. But I will tell you this, it took me a long time, and it takes getting out of yourself, and it takes truly loving other people in their lives, where they are at. That's what Christian community is about. But you start to do that, and you will start listening in such a way that you are identifying. A real quick word to men on this. We're running out of time fast, but, but you know, men, uh, one of the challenges for you and I, and believe me, this has been a huge part of my journey here, is, is, and I don't mean to pick on us as men, and I don't mean to kind of just, you know, generalize, but I think what I'm about to say is true. Uh, many men have trouble with empathy because we just aren't in touch with our own feelings. Men, can you own that? <clears throat> men. <laughs> Man, if this was a men's retreat right now, I'd just nail you. But, but I'll be gentle. Men, can you own that? Yes. Many of us can. Some of you have grown and you're wonderful. I, I can remember the very first time, again, in seminary when I was just learning to identify even my own emotions. I, I told, I've shared this with you guys before. I eventually ended up in counseling. And, and one of the things I'll never forget, the counselor gave me one day in my own counseling and therapy, is, is he pulled out one of his textbooks and he ran this off on the, uh, the copier machine. And, and he put it in front of me and he said, here's a list of just 32 different emotions. And he said, I want you to ask yourself, do you identify with any of these? <laughs> and I remember looking at this. I'm like 25 years old, and I'm looking at this going, no, I, I don't. I said, I, I didn't even know there were 32 emotions. He said, there's a lot more than that. I said, you're kidding me. I, I said, you know, I, I have two emotions, good and bad. Those are my emotions. 
And, and I mean, reading this list, I'll never forget it. I've used this list with a lot of men over the years. I mean, feelings like accepted, affectionate, afraid, angry, anxious, attracted. This is just the A's. Ready for the B's? <laughs> Bored, belonging, you know, and then the C's, competitive, confused, and then the D's, defensive, disappointed. I'm like going, and he asked me, he said, you know, how do you feel, you know, when you experience these things? I remember thinking, good and, and, and bad. That, that's how I feel. And I'll never forget him sharing with me. He said, you know, uh, these actually have more intricate feelings with them if you can learn to identify them. And I've spent the last 30 years, men, I look at this list regularly. I'm just limiting myself to 32 for all of my life. And, and I've looked at this. And, 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 and all I can tell you is that 30 years later, I, I do get a lot more of these now. And, and here's the real point in it, is that then when I'm with Howard or when I'm with Darrell G. Miller or somebody like that, um, and, I, and I'm in that listening mode and they share something with me, I, I can start to identify more regularly. I was in a soul care meeting with our elders on Thursday night, and one of them shared uh, something very personal in their lives, and I, I thought I'd take a risk because men never like to admit this feeling. Tell me this is true. Men never like to admit this. And, and, and I said to them, I said, uh, what you just shared, did that make you feel insecure. Yeah, exactly, because men don't like to admit that. And I was so proud of this elder. He said, yeah, it did. And we, we had a discussion for a few minutes on what it feels like to feel insecure in, in a world that tells you you shouldn't feel that way. And what was I doing? I was listening to understand. I mean, listening to identify. So you have listening to understand. You have listening uh, to identify. And then let's go to the 301 level. We've got about 15 minutes left here as we uh, continue this journey on what it means to be quick to listen. Are you ready for this one? We listen to explore. We listen to explore. Now, no pun intended, but I need you all to listen closely right now because this one is one that many Christians miss and yet... This is going to be one of the greatest challenges the Bible ever gives us. Here's the deal with this one. If the first two listening things that I shared with you, listening in order to understand and listening to identify, are dealing with what people are actually saying to us, which is what they are, then what you need to understand about this third brushstroke is that this is about listening to what is not being said in order to discern what might be below the surface to the things that the person might or might not be aware of but have everything to do with what's going on in their soul. They're just not verbalizing it to you right now. And so listening to understand and listening to identify are all about listening on the surface to what people are actually sharing. But listening below the surface... I call it listening to explore, involves discernment, sensitively waiting beneath the realities of somebody's soul and what's going down, what's going on down there. And I got to tell you, folks, it all boils down to how much you really want to dig, how much you really want to know the person that's right in front of you that God has called you to be in relationship with, listening to explore. And some of you are enticed by this idea right now, but you're also going, how in the world do I do this? How do we actually explore what another is saying and get beneath even the words that they share? Well, once again, the Bible comes to the rescue. 
And so look at what one of my favorite Proverbs, Proverbs 20 verse 5 says. This is rich. It says, a purpose in a man or woman's heart is like deep water, but a man or woman of understanding will draw it out. The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. That word purpose there literally means an internal purpose or intention of the heart. It's referring to a a deep-seated motive that we all have, or maybe a repressed thought or or, or, or a buried feeling. It's something deep within the soul of a person, now watch this, that is driving that person, that is influencing them even more than they might realize. Psychologists would tell us that this is usually tied to a past experience or event that was important to that person, whether it was good or bad. And think about it. You and I all know, we both know, that the human heart is full of many intentions and purposes like these. And many times these intentions of the heart, these buried thoughts and feelings and experiences are deep indeed, buried under lots of layers, and sometimes even unknown to the person themselves. As the Bible affirms, these are deep, deep layers in a person. But notice that a man or woman of understanding draws them out. This is so rich. This is a person being described here. Now watch this. That looks deep within the soul of another person or even themselves and notices patterns of thinking and feeling and behaving so as to better understand what is happening in that person's soul. Larry Crabb calls this an inside look. Other great spiritual writers call this monitoring one's interior world. It's simply not dealing with what is given, but looking beneath, exploring beneath to what somebody might not be saying. And all I can tell you is that when you do this in your listening to another person, when you listen in such a way as to discern what might really be going on in their soul beneath all their words and activities, you are truly now loving a person and trying to understand them in a way that probably, probably nobody else ever has. I mean, if Christians could start to relate this way, there'd be no stopping us in our influence and loving of those around us. I've shared with you before my relationship with my dad and how difficult that has been over the years. He has given me permission to share it. In fact, this is so my dad. He actually wrote a legal document last year because he's a lawyer. And Baker Books was asking him if they had had his permission to share a story that I told in my book about him. And so not just giving permission for that, he actually wrote a legal document and said, I hereby give Jamie Rasmussen full and legal permission to share in any venue, written or speaking, anything about his childhood or now that involves me in perpetuity, Frank Rasmussen. And he signed it and had it notarized. So I have permission to share from him Uh, anything that I want to about his life. And I've shared pretty freely because, again, he's been honest about this with me that, you know, we we had a very sandpaper relationship while I was growing up. Uh, Schrader found this hilarious. My dad said at one point, and this is grossly unfair to me, mind you, he said, Jamie, you and I never got along since you were two. (laughs) 
And Tom said, yeah, Tom Schrader said, well, who puts the onus on a two-year-old? And I said, my dad. And, and so, you know, we always had a sandpaper relationship, very difficult. And there was even a three-year period in the 90s where we just didn't talk. I was telling that to John earlier here. We just didn't even talk to each other. And it was a, a very difficult relationship. And, uh, you know, as, over time, we started to heal. We started to talk more. And more than anything, this is what you guys need to know, I started to listen. I started to develop my own security in the Lord, which, by the way, is the key thing here. If you're on the outs with somebody uh, right now in your life and you don't want to ever be with them, you don't want to talk to them because the conflict is so great, the only way you are actually going to get over that is to find your sufficiency in Jesus. I'm telling you that right now. Because I learned to go into my talks with my dad by, by being centered on Jesus, finding him as my brother, God as my father. And, and as I found great strength in that, I was able to deal more in relationship with my dad. And so the last 20 years, I've entered in in a much more centered place with him. And I, I listen all the time to him. And he's a very, very complex man. One of the things that drives him nuts about Christians is that he says, you guys are so, what, black and white. I mean, he says, you know, you're dogmatic and you're doctrinal and all these things and everything, you know, is this and that and it's so easy. And I go, well, Dad, that's kind of an unfair caricature, but I, I know there are some Christians like that. And, uh, and, and so we talk a lot about spiritual things and uh, about politics and economics and all that, and it sure gets tense still, I mean, and, and all of that. But, but let me share with you something that I realized about a year ago that was a game changer with my dad. When my dad would talk about spiritual things, especially with me being his son and a minister, um, he would say things that just seemed very duplicitous, if not polar. I mean, in one sense, he'd sound like an atheist, and in another sense, he's, you know, very much attuned to Jesus and the things Jesus would say, and he's read the Gospels a ton, he's read lots of books and all this, but he just would kind of be all over the map, and I never really understood that. I almost faulted him for it. And about a year ago, as I just was listening to my dad, as we were talking about spiritual things, a, a, an understanding hit me that might help you with some of the people around you. And that is that because my dad doesn't believe that life is binary, that you're either in or out, hot or cold, strong or weak, you know, because he sees life as very complex, when he talks about spiritual things, he talks in different modalities, depending on quite frankly, his mood, <laughs> or where he might be that day. And so there's some times where I'll bring up a spiritual conversation, and, and he almost talks like an agnostic, uh, depending on what's going on in his life. I don't believe that, and da 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 and you, know, you guys just always take the Bible at face value, and all, you know, what other way to take it? But anyways, you know, and things like that, you know, and, and, and he'll go off and he'll almost sound you know, like an agnostic, but then there's other times, even a few days later while I'll be talking with him, and, and now he almost sounds like a deist. A deist is somebody who believes that God is very real and God is there, but doesn't intervene in the world, you know, and, and, and he's almost talking like that, and then there's other times where I'm talking to him, and, and honestly, he sounds like one of us. I mean, he'll just talk about Jesus of Nazareth and how amazing Jesus was, and, and, and you know, we're, we're, we're talking about a like person of faith and all these things. And, and again, I used to judge that. And now what I realize is that I'm just dealing with a very complex man who's on a very real journey, now at the age of 84, and that if I'm going to get through to him, if I'm going to talk to him, I need to listen in order to explore what's going on in his soul. And so you know what I started doing about a year ago? And this was what the game changer was. Instead of fighting him when he's in one of his modalities, 
I started just to explore that with him. And I wasn't defensive about it. I didn't try to talk him out of it. I would just start asking curious questions. I can remember when mom died, he was in a rather agnostic modality. So I said to you guys a few weeks ago, it was the pain speaking. And I mentioned something about heaven once. And he said, well, if you believe something like that. You know, and I thought, well, I, you know, two years ago, I would have said, uh, Jesus did, you know, or something like that. And I thought that's not going to be helpful. So when dad said that after mom died, I said, well, I said, you know, um, I'd love to know, Pop, where your hope is. See, I asked him a question. I wanted to explore what was going on. And, and you know what he did? He didn't get defensive. He didn't get mad. He started talking about what his view of hope was. It was pretty messed up, mind you, but at least he was talking uh, about his hope and where it comes from. And, and I was able to explore a little bit. But the very next day, guess what? He was in another modality. Here's part of the problem, I think, with Christians today. Let's get off my dad for a second. We treat the world around us as if they should be as doctrinal, dogmatic, black and white, and binary as we are. Don't get me wrong. I love the fact that you and I have confidence. I love that we love the word of God. I love that we put our faith in it and stock in it. And, and that makes us rather binary. You know, I mean, either you accepted Jesus or you haven't. You know, you either believe in God or you haven't. You know, you either trust the Bible or you don't. I hear Christians talk like that all the time. Here's the problem with that, gang. I do believe that. If you walk out here saying, Jamie, don't believe that, you're wrong. I believe that. But the problem is, is that when we approach the world like that, you know what we're not doing in that moment? Listening. Because they don't think like that. They're not approaching the Bible like that. They don't say, well, I'm either all in or not in. They say it's kind of a good book. You know, it's got some wisdom in it and Jesus was a cool dude and, you know, things like that. And, you know, we want to say, well, what, he was the son of God. You believe that, right? Well, they're not quite there yet. They need to be listened to. And here's what I've learned with my pop. Some people need to be listened to for 84 years. Right, Scotty? Some people need to be listened to for a very long time. And it's only through that long suffering, what one author calls a long obedience in the same direction, that, that staying in with them, that we're ever going to reach them. And imagine if we would start to do that with each other. Start to really listen to each other, to explore what's going on in their soul. Not to judge, judge not that ye be judged. I messed that up a little bit, but it's that basically saying that. Uh, don't judge, uh, don't try to get your agenda across. Listen to understand another person. I, I can just promise you, some of you are resisting this right now because you're going, I don't want to spend that much time on relationships. I get it. Then that's about how close you'll be to people around you. Because all I know is that I'm really glad that I've spent the last 20 years being more centered, less defensive, more listening with my dad. Now when I go see him every quarter, and I still do now that mom's gone, I'm telling you, I walk in and I just can't wait to listen to some more. And then in those teachable moments, ask a curious question and bring it back even to Jesus, our Savior. It, it really does work. We got about a minute left. So here's where we've come to. We listen to understand. Proverbs 5, verse 7 that we listen to the words coming out of somebody's mouth. We listen to identify. Romans 12, uh, verse 15. We, we weep with those who weep. We, we rejoice with those who rejoice. We listen in order to ident identify with what they're going through and feeling. And then we listen to explore. Proverbs 20, verse 5. 
Uh, the, the purposes and intentions of the heart are deep, but blessed, wise is a man who knows how to draw them out. And, and then lastly, and this is really for another sermon, but this is something that only a Christian can do. We listen when we're listening to others to the Spirit. We listen to the Spirit of God inside of us when we are listening to other people. This is a fourth level of listening that is absolutely foreign to the world around us, and sadly, it's foreign even to many Christians. So let me just take 30 to 40 seconds to explain it, and then we'll readdress this another time. Look at what the Bible says. Jesus says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. Uh, Big question here is, is this just for the 12 apostles or is this for you and I? It's for you and I. I mean, the apostles were given the word of God. They wrote it down. God does speak through his word primarily, but that does not mean that the Holy Spirit does not live in us and speak to us, even when we're in conversations with others. Look what happened in the book of Acts, Acts 13, 2. It says, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. The Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts. I got many other passages that affirm that. So here's the parting thought that I want you to to chew on. Could it be that there's times where you are talking to another person and you're doing your best to listen to understand and listen to identify and listen to explore and God is also tapping you on the shoulder and speaking to you about what that person might need to hear. Is this freaking you out too much? It shouldn't because this is exactly what God wants to do. Let me show you how real this is and then we'll be done. I can't tell you. I, I know many of you see me as a good, strong spiritual leader and, and, and I am. And so I, I don't mind playing that role and I, I love being your pastor, but I am a lot weaker and a lot more human than many of you would ever realize. And there are times when somebody is coming to my office or I'm at you know, Butterfield's listening to somebody or whatever and they're unloading on me. And honestly, I've told you guys before, I, I'm panicking my spirit because I'm not a therapist and I haven't the foggiest idea what to say to you or how to help you. Because some of you have really big problems and I'm not the answer, man. I can give you a Bible verse, but you're gonna find that kind of trite in that moment and I, I don't know what to do. And, and, and if you could see what's going on in my soul, you would be very encouraged because what I'm doing is, say I'm talking to Howard and he's just unburdened, you know, unloading on me. I, I, as I'm listening to him, I'm saying, God, I am the foggiest idea to help Howard but you do. So give me some wisdom. Give me something to share with him. Give me the right words. Help me, God, to understand what's going on in him and show me the way in this moment. And I can't even tell you, I know some of you aren't gonna believe me, but I can't even tell you how many times God has guided me when I have prayed that. And I've heard the Spirit speak, maybe through a Bible verse that comes to mind, maybe through what, what, what Elijah experienced, that still small voice in First Kings. It might be through some rational thought that just makes a lot of sense. I mean, God's Spirit speaks in so many different ways to us. But here's what I know. Whenever I've asked him for his help, as I'm listening to others, he comes through with that. That's what I mean by listen to the Spirit. And again, it's only something a Christian can do. You and I have an edge in our listening. 
that can make all the difference. So let's listen to understand. Let's listen to identify. Let's listen to explore. And let's listen to the spirit. Let's be those who people want to be around. Because when they're with us, they say, man, they listen to me. And they point me to Jesus. We're going to talk about how to do that next week. Why don't you bow with me and let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that when we open up your book and look at to what it says about how to listen, and we've just scratched the surface today, God, that you show us what you want from us. Everything from the Proverbs to Romans to James, that you tell us how to listen and how to be the kind of people that know how to help those around us. And so, Lord, I pray that as we chew on these things for our own lives, as we give thought to what it might mean for us in our current relationships, and some of us have very difficult relationships right now, but as we learn how to listen in such a way that points people to Jesus but also draws them in to us relationally, God, I pray that you would bless it by the power of your spirit and give us wisdom as we deal with those and love those around us. And I pray this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.